and Toby. <laughs> All right. I'm in Lexington, fucking Kentucky at an embassy suite. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't, I promise you, if, if you said I could be at the White House, I would, don't think it'd be better. <laughs> it was unbelievable. So tonight we get here, it's just me and the kids, right? Which is really fucking fun. But it's just you, dad, and the kids. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like there's a pressure that uh, the mom doesn't add to the moment. Now, the mom adds a ton to most of the moments. Don't get me wrong there. The mom is really great. But when it's just you and the kids, everybody's a kid, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, like everyone gets to be a kid, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, we just, like, I went into a Flying J, got myself a coffee, and then walked past this uh, Easter in uh, cap <laughs> had, all, had all these chocolate egg Cadbury chocolate eggs. You know how good those are, Matt. Oh, and yeah. uh, not not the creamy ones, the all chocolate center. You know yeah. the mini eggs, mini eggs. And uh, I just I was so happy. I was like, I'm getting these for us on the ride. I'm gonna go back to the car. Um, the kids gonna light up. It's gonna be so awesome. Uh, went up there to the. This is very funny. I'm in the middle of nowhere, Indiana. I get two bags, small bags of these eggs, and the lady goes, Well, guess what? These are buy one, get one free. So she said, uh, when you buy two, uh, you get one free. She said, so if you can go grab another another one, it'll be free. I was like, oh, this is so great. Awesome. And then uh, she said, oh, and it's buy one, get one half off. So I got three bags of chocolate for half of one bag. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I mean, how could it be better a sign. for me? Right. Like, like, you know, me and deals. Like I was like, well, good Lord. I just chose right. I mean, it was like winning the lottery for me. And then we get here to embassy suites. I go down to the bar at the, and you know, cause at, at embassy suites from mm-hmm. five to six 30 free drinks. Yep. Right. They got, yeah. they got bags of smart popcorn. Now, what is it called? Is it smart popcorn? Is that what it's called? Smart. You know, the black bag popcorn. This Does it have Wi-Fi? Yeah. Oh, the Wi-Fi! I'm on it right now. No, I mean the popcorn, the smart popcorn. It like, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You plug it in and you get it. Uh, the guy, the bartender. You know, how normally you go to and they make your your mixed drink or whatever. I said I'll, I'll take a uh, whiskey ginger ale. Um, he takes out the whiskey bottle and I promise you pours for three to four seconds, nonstop. <laughs> and I was like, oh my god. Then he goes, oh sir, I'm sorry. You said whiskey ginger ale. Most people ask for whiskey coke. This is a whiskey coke. I didn't even notice. So then he makes me a whiskey ginger ale, the exact same. So I'm here at Embassy Suites drinking doubles. Nice. I got two doubles, and I'm just like, oh my god, it's unbelievable. We got McDonald's for dinner. I mean, everything is just phenomenal. I mean, I just can't, I can't tell you how awesome it is. And this is why I go to Applebee's. It's just, <laughs> it's just good. I know what I'm going to, I know, I know that there are hotels that are better. I know, I get it. I understand you can go to a hotel that's awesome and it's just so nice and the name is whatever, you know, I get it. But Embassy Suites is just, my kids were blown away. They were like, dad, this is nice. It's perfect. Wow. Uh, June, our youngest said, you know, whenever I stay at hotels, I never stay at hotels like this. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> she said that. And I was like, yeah, I mean, it just, it just feels great. I mean, they're in the other room with the door closed. I have a room with where my kids are in there watching TV, watching Shrek, 
just ready. I'm, I just, I couldn't be happier. And I know that, I know that that is the most like cliche middle-class American white man thing that you could say that he just loved uh, the gas station experience with a deal and a McDonald's and an embassy suites. I get it. That's not, I, I understand, but I couldn't want more. I don't know what, I mean, if you had showed anybody this hotel room before the year 19, probably 1950, they would have thought JFK lived there. It's as good as he did. I promise you. I promise you that. It's that good. You have the ability to appreciate that. I mean, something about it is the cognitive load is so low. Like you're relaxed. Like even if you go to a nicer hotel, you have to be discovering how nice it is, which is kind of no. work. Like you yes. have to be noticing everything and or not taking it in or not appreciate. Like there's pressure if you got to stay right. at the five star, whatever. I mean, you know, it's not, it's not the same thing as relaxing. Exactly. No, I, I mean, I'm just relaxed, man. We just chilled. We sat and watched. I mean, I was just like, man, this is just so great. Well, let's a, let's see. Hundred thirty eight dollars. That's amazing. Hundred and thirty eight dollars gave me. I'm, I'm telling you, that's cheaper than a. I mean, that's that's the same price as a ticket to. Disney World. I don't know if I'd rather be at Disney World. Right? I don't yeah. know if I'd rather. Uh, uh, Disney World all day is a lot of work. It is. It is. Okay, so let's see if your relaxed cocktail state will open your mind channel to learning about finance. You think you can do it? You think you at, at this state you're relaxed enough to take in high detail finance and stock Information and learning. Okay, well, Robert is in the in the admit room here, so I'm ready to click him in if y'all are ready to go. I'm ready to rock and roll. Let's do it. Okay, let's do it. It's connecting. There it is. There we go. How's it going, Robert? Doing good. How are you guys doing? It's very, very good. good. Yep. If you can see us in here, it's okay. We'll just keep right on rolling. We're already hanging out. That's yeah, kind of I our can, style. I can hear you. Can you guys hear me okay? Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Looks great and sounds great. It's cool. great. Sounds good, man. So, so I look, Robert, I, Robert, I found you on TikTok, and I was just so – I just thought it was so great. I just really enjoyed it. I started watching all the videos uh, just because it – I guess just honestly because it's very entertaining. And I and that's one of the things I was going to talk to you about. We need to start like you're talking about stocks and money and making right decisions all that. But somehow you got – you really quickly realized be funny, speak people's language. Right. I mean, you just noticed that immediately. Like it wasn't going to work if you just said, hey, here's a real tip. There's so many that like they're like that. Yeah. So that's kind of how most of my career was spent was doing those types, like kind of more of a straight man type explanation of stocks. I've worked as a uh, senior equity analyst, basically the head stock analyst at a company for about seven years now. And it's mostly for an older audience. So when I wanted to kind of try and because I mean, I mean, I'm a younger guy, that audience isn't going to be there forever. So I always wanted to, you know, cultivate a younger audience and heard about TikTok back in about November 2019. And I was like, hey, I'll try and make videos on here. I tried to do it on Twitter, which, you know, it's just kind of like yelling into like the right. infinite void because there's <laughs> right. so many people on there. Um, but, uh, TikTok was, you know, I uploaded a video, didn't think anyone was going to see it. Uh, and then, cause I didn't have any followers, wasn't even following anybody. Uh, but woke up the next day, it had like 15,000 views. So I was like, oh shit, I should probably keep doing this. So 
year and a half later, still, still doing it and much bigger following now, but that's great. Yeah. I've been scanning through it too. And it's, it's just, it really is. You can get a lot of information in these new formats and, and then there's obviously a shared, um, like, uh, best practices and then improvisation and then what you can bring to these mediums with these constraints. So I think that is really exciting and we'll talk about stocks, but let's spend a little bit more time in the media creation side of it and your strategy of your career, because, uh, I noticed too that you are now so it's targeted is younger people TikTok audience. There's a bunch of that going, and you do a Patreon too as a model. So where are you, where what is your career? Is it to make media and less have that day job, or is it a side hustle to you, or like what what's the the whole idea for you? Well, it's kind of the side hustle is kind of turning into the day job now, which is awesome. obviously for any entrepreneurs the the ideal situation. Now it's basically I just have two full time jobs, but. Cool. The cool thing is, is that there, there's a lot of overlap between the two. Um, you know, again, it's basically my whole career has been spent breaking down what's happening in the stock market into a simple way that anybody can understand. And then not only do that, but then show people how to make money off of it. Mm-hmm. So that's what I do. You know, I've run um, subscription investing services uh, at my day job at a company called Malden Economics for about five years now. Started out as an analyst there, uh, worked up to being an editor. Um, and now I basically do the same thing on Patreon. It's just like a kind of like a millennial investment newsletter is all yeah. it is. You know, it's instead of a lot of writing, you know, it's like I do the videos on TikTok. I do the videos on Instagram. I have, you know, uh, uh, Instagram stories with all sorts of information. Yeah. It's, and it's so- like, hey, you know, if you want to know how to profit off this trend come over to Patreon. You can like see what I'm doing with my portfolio. Yeah. It's so attractive to me because after I've consumed a few TikTok with your real personality there, that skips the website. And the, I mean, that skips everything or the fund or the group you're with and like, all, and maybe that's old people stuff. I don't know. But it's like, once you've just watched a few TikToks or the Instagram, the Patreon all of a sudden sounds like a great idea. Like, oh, right. I'd be in that because we have a Discord. We do. I was like, oh, I've, the people in my Discord, sometimes we talk about stocks, but nobody knows anything. But if it was in your Discord, it'd be good stuff all the time, obviously. So, uh, it, it, I mean, it, it really makes a lot of sense to me in the same way that uh, other brands and bands and media c- creators, you know, have these communities where they share information. And we've seen that firsthand. That's kind of our model anyway. So, like, I can really imagine it working very well. Yeah. And, like, I think the cool thing, too, is that, you know, there's so much information out there these days. Um, And after a while, I forget who said it, but they're like, you know, when we were growing up, it was like, oh, it's the information age or whatever. And, like, someone said it's like now there's so much information out there that we're more in the curation age at this point. That's basically how you're taking all these concepts and presenting it to someone, Mm -hmm. you know, whether that's, you know, taking what the federal reserve did today and, you know, making like a funny meme out of it and putting it on Instagram or, or making a video about on it on TikTok. You know, it's the same information that everyone has, but it's just the way that you present it. I think that's really how you build an audience these days. That's what I've been trying to do for a that's, while. Now. The other thing I was going to say is really, that's really cool about this too, though, is like, Matt, you just said this, but the endorsement used to be the storefront or the name on the building. Now with, with TikTok and, and what, who knows what'll be even next. People go, wait, Robert knows what the hell he's talking about. Oh, shit. That that was good. I always had, you know, I mean, like your information and your brain and your personality and your personal brand immediately draws trust and authenticity like that. I mean, you making jokes back back and forth to yourself doing the cuts and the edits. I go, oh, he spent time on this very what 60 seconds or less 
amount of information and to pack that much information into something with also comedy entertainment. Also, I mean, it's just phenomenal. I mean, right. why would I go to the the business place where the guys that sit the tie on and he talks to me? Like, I mean, that seems so outdated now. Yeah, and I, I had I had to clarify. I'm not a financial advisor. Oh, right. <laughs> I, I, I am. A, I'm, I'm a stock analyst, so right, I had right. to clarify that as well. I know. I, in my Discord, people are like, "Do you really have to say it every time?" I'm you like, have to, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I know. So it's like everyone should still go to their financial advisor for their right, retirement. Right. You know? But I tell people, like, you know, they should have their like long term retirement account stuff. And but you can have like your kind of like, for lack of a better term, like play portfolio where you're kind of trying to, you know, enhance your returns because, you know, index funds, that's that's really how most people should invest. You should most people should not be looking at their stock portfolio every day. They should just right. kind of be paying into it every month and not really looking at it because you know, over the long term, stocks tend to rise. That's been the, the pattern the last 120 years. Um, there's going to be bumps in the road on the way, obviously, like everybody saw, you know, last March. But um, that's kind of like the role I try and fill. And I try and make it entertaining, too. You know, it's, it's um, even at my day job, you know, we, we've always called it infotainment. And this is just kind of, you know, the younger version of infotainment at this point. I'm yeah. actually interested in how did you develop your character? or media delivery, because that, I mean, that's just a rare skill, you know, and, and there's a stereotype of financial analysts and they're not explosive, you know, and, you know, really dramatic in presentation or, or you know, your tone, you have a really loud and uh, direct tone and it's like fast. I mean, all that is like, is it a character? How do you, how do you get into let it's, that get there? So like the fast thing, that's just a function of the videos having to be short. That's where that came from originally. Um, just trying to fit as much information in there as I can. Because um, a lot of this stuff, especially the earlier videos, like I do these like buy or sell, like I take a stock from the comment section and do like an equity analysis of it and cram like, you know, a full research report into a 60 second video. So in order to fit everything, awesome. I had to like talk really fast, you know. Um, but the, the delivery stuff, I basically just try and, you know, talk kind of how I would normally talk, like with my buddies who work in finance, you know, it's like, we make jokes about, you know, what GameStop is doing or what the latest stock is doing. Um, and I just try and, you know, keep it light and fun, but also, you know, like give pretty good information too. Um, and that, that's, that's one thing that I think is kind of rare on TikTok, especially because it's a lot of new investors who, for one, maybe have you know little investing experience to begin with but maybe you know don't have any professional training as well so i think i kind of bring you know i've been doing this for about a decade now professionally um and kind of know what i'm doing at this point so i would say the competition isn't very stiff on tiktok which is nice it's right. easier to build a following that way but um yeah that, that's kind of my my angle on that just trying to be you know kind of be myself and be a little silly and but also be, you know, convey good information. Do you have any performance background or do anything else? Um, I mean, I used to, I'm a musician. I know you guys are all like professional musicians, but you know, I, I play guitar. I've, you know, I, I've done media training through my day job before too. I've had to present at investment conferences and um, all that kind of very nerve wracking stuff. Um, so, but other than that, not really. Um, it's all kind of been trial and error. Um, with the videos, I guess I have done, you know, live streams and some videos for my day job at Malden Economics, but 
um, not in the same style and so, like not editing myself and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's, yeah, the detail that you put into the, the videos you make are just great. That's what I'm saying. That, that's what is really nice about it is that I'm watching. I, first off, I'm thinking entertainment. And then I, if I learn something from, like you said, you know, infotainment or whatever, like then I just feel really good. Then I felt like it because a lot of TikToks are, well, that was really funny, but I didn't learn anything. I didn't, you know, so you feel after you've watched a few hours in a row, you feel pretty like a loser. You know, what I mean? you feel like a real loser. So if I can throw into, you know, a Robert here and there, I'm like, oh, well, you know, I was spending some quality time here learning something. Uh, something you said earlier that uh, I wanted to talk about is, so you said the regular person should invest in index funds, I think you said, and, you know, take the a more traditional route. But to, so tonight I'm traveling with my family and uh, my kids love McDonald's and we went to McDonald's and it was, ex- I knew exactly what to expect. But then I started thinking more broadly about McDonald's and how easy it was to find food. And it was just right there. And I didn't have to think about gathering food or hunting food or anything. And I know I'm going way back in time, but just McDonald's, even just now, uh, has franchised so much that they are everywhere. And I know exactly what to expect is, and it just made me immediately think like the Robin hood app and what's to come next is, is the in, the normal person investing in index funds. Is that going away because McDonald's is coming and everybody's going to be able to order a bunch of hamburgers and French fries and milkshakes and whatever the hell they want. And you, you know, you're going to find the deal. I'm going to use my app to get the the meal deal or whatever. I mean, I, it feels like this is the beginning of all that. Is that going away? Um, it might go away initially until they realize that they're going to, most people are going to blow up their accounts, which is kind of a rite of passage. If, if you start investing, I know a lot of people are going through that in the last few weeks, especially because there was a huge pullback in growth stocks and, for a while there, it was like you couldn't miss. You'd buy a growth stock or you'd buy, you know, a SPAC, special purpose acquisition company, and it would go up, you know, 50% in a month or something. And uh, one of my mentors at my job, uh, this guy, Jared Dillion, he always said uh, the thing you really have to watch out is when people are making money well outside their intelligence. And I think a lot of that was happening uh, with the SPACs at one point. But now all those have basically crashed. So. Yeah. But I would get a lot of messages from people who are like, like, what is happening here? Like, because again, they're for a while. I mean, it's the Dave Portnoy thing, like stocks only go up right. for a, a while there. They, they did only go up for these new investors. So they didn't they had no idea how to deal with the pullback. And I was yeah. like, man, you guys should have been here in like February, March 2020, man. That was like that was insane. <laughs> Just like yeah. The SP fell like 12 percent a day at one point. It was it was it was wild. So it it does feel that there's a real groundswell now of amount of people like it's becoming a mainstream thing in a way that going to McDonald's is to have Robin Hood and be looking at it. Like I can't believe the amount of people that have always been bored or have ever thought about economics or stocks that are just buzzing about it now. Are we in some kind of explosion of adoption of people, the common person investing, or is that just a media hype right now? No, it's definitely true. I mean, you can just look at the amount of, for one, you can look at the volume, which is just the amount of shares traded from retail investors is way above levels we saw even a few years ago. It was gradually rising even before COVID because just there was a trend like the rise of the retail investor. Um, but th- during COVID and the lockdown, you know, it was the only game in town for basically Sports. anywhere in the world. Yeah. Uh so, and people were getting their stimulus checks and putting it in the market. And 
you know, it caused a major boom. Um, so I, there is definitely the rise of the retail investor right now. I think kind of what I try and do is, you know, take all that enthusiasm that people have for the markets and kind of, you know, give it a little structure. You know, it's like people want to like, you know, buy really speculative stuff. And I'm like, you can buy speculative stuff. It's, it's fun to do that sometimes, but you just need to size your position correctly. So you're not going to blow up your entire account if it doesn't go your way. Yeah. Um, so I, I just try and, you know, get, give some structure and some form. Um, to all this enthusiasm, but I don't see it going away anytime soon. Um, the, especially this younger generation. I mean, that I get messages from like 15 year old kids who are like, because you can't sign up for a brokerage until you're 18. And like, man, like, how do I get, how do I sign up for a brokerage? How do I get into investing? And it's mm-hmm. like, man, I didn't know shit about stocks until I was like 22. You guys are going to be way ahead of me by the time you're my age. So I'm trying to, you know, get just like take all that enthusiasm and, and kind of give it um, kind of put it on the, the straight and narrow. Or sometimes people just got to lose a bunch of money, too. And that's the best way to learn. But <laughs> I try and kind of help them make, avoid the mistakes that I've made in the past. <laughs> Let's talk about Robin Hood then as the thing. I saw a couple of your TikToks that that talked about Robin Hood, the one about the margin, uh, the margin. Uh, the, uh, uh, that the, they'll do on Robin Hood and the spread, the way that they pay uh the, the hedge funds get involved in the spread. If you want to go through those two things, and I'm curious your opinion of Robin, it sounds like it's unfavorable. Yeah. Um, so I think Robinhood, um, for better or worse, they have gotten a lot of people interested in the stock market, but they have kind of set it up to where it's kind of like a video game for people. Um, and I think that a lot of people took on a lot of risk that, you know, I've had horror stories of people sending me images of their their you know they lost like fifty thousand dollars on options or something mm-hmm. and i'm just like you know maybe <laughs> the protections for like and this is another thing too the uh, amount of options which i don't know if people in your audience don't know it's basically a way to like add leverage to a trade to basically instead of a stock if a stock goes up three percent an option can go up you know fifty percent so it but it can also go down fifty percent if the stock falls three percent um, and it, most brokerages you have to apply to get, um, access to, you know, level two or level three options, which is, you know, that kind of a trade where you would buy it and add leverage on Robinhood, You basically just have to like press a button and it gives you the ability to do it. But the counter uh, side to that is saying that, yeah, but it's always been the accredited investors, the other people that jump to the hoops that get to make all the money. Now it's that now let us do it. So, uh, so I, to, <laughs> I get the uh, argument there. But you have to remember, too, that like those people who are trading options, not knowing what they're doing, they're just giving their money to the hedge. Funds. Yeah, that, that's not sticking it to the hedge funds. That's All like right. literally paying the hedge funds. Yeah. So that's what I try and do, too, as I try and because I've traded options. I run an options trading service uh, at my day job. So I've had a lot of experience trading options. So that's I try and teach the basics of options as well. Um, so it's like I don't think Robinhood's all bad, but. I do think that there's like some consumer protection issues with Robinhood that, you know, there, there's like a middle ground there, you know, it's not like there shouldn't be a Robinhood or, you know, or people shouldn't be able to trade options at all, but maybe they should like have to take like a basic test or something to, <laughs> right. to have, to have access. It's called naked options where it's like, you can, you can just buy a put on something and then it's like super volatile and you can make a lot of money. And I understand the, the argument and sort where like only an accredited accredited investor could do it, but I think there's a middle ground there that could be struck. Um, but uh, 
and it's the same thing with margin too. the the margin um that's the same type of thing you know people are able to kind of take on too much risk than they probably should be able to at first um so that's kind of where i come into you know they don't teach anything about finance in school in this country um just right. not of uh, not about options for sure but just they, they don't even teach you how to do taxes in high school in this country right. mm-hmm. so i think that's one like niche that like i try and fill uh, on social media is kind of just teaching like the basics of investing too and but then gradually like teaching more and more and that's especially what i do like on the patreon like today it's like i was teaching how to an option strategy that i use in the portfolio that kind of walking through the setup of the next one i want to do um and just kind of understanding because everyone wants to subscribe to like see what's in my portfolio that's kind of how i market it but i think a lot of people stick around because they want to learn like how i'm thinking about investing Mm -hmm. you know i'm not always going to be right no one's ever being wrong is part of the game with investing um but i think people do like to you know they're like oh this guy actually knows what he's talking about you know maybe he won't be right every time but like understanding the thought process is, is really valuable i think yeah and then Robinhood, on the way they do the spread is you put in an order to buy and to sell or whatever. Is that a range and the hedge fund fund gets involved and stuff? Can you explain that? Yeah, so that's called payment for order flow, um, and basically how that works. So Robinhood got famous; they were the first no fee brokerage. So prior to Robinhood, every time that you would buy or sell a stock, you had to pay you know like five bucks or nine bucks. It's called like a transaction fee every time. Robinhood came out, you're like, we're not going to do that anymore. You know, you can buy or sell as many times as you want with no fees. And, you know, to someone who doesn't understand the the inner workings of what's happening there, it's like, oh, that sounds awesome. But the way you actually are paying for the transactions through a worse fill on your buy or sell price. So, for example, um, I don't know what it's trading at, but like, let's just do stock uh, XYZ is trading at $100. And there's a bid ask of $100 and one cent and $100.08. When you would put in your order through like Chase or something, they would do something called a price improvement. They would try and broker the price. It's actually where the term comes from, brokerage, is to get a better price for you on that transaction. So they would get, you know, at like $100 and one or two cents. But if you go through Robinhood, they are going to basically let the hedge fund take that five, six cent as a fee for that transaction. So you'll get filled at like a hundred dollars and seven cents or whatever. Mm -hmm. And while that doesn't seem like very much, it does add up over time. But the real issue is that that means that you're not Robinhood's customer. Robinhood's customer is actually these high frequency trading hedge funds that are paying for that order flow. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where the conflict of interest came in during the GameStop issue, where, you know, there, there were legitimate issues with that, with the, the clearing houses didn't have enough money to settle some of those trades. So they had to halt the trading. But like, I'm, I wasn't born yesterday. It's like, if you don't think that that structure set up uh, like, uh, what's it called? A moral hazard for Robin Hood, then, you know, I don't know what to tell you, because it's like, it seemed pretty obvious to me. So they're letting the hedge fund get in there and buy and sell it back to you in a fraction of a second with big computers at the higher, that the higher end of the range of what it would sell for if you had a brokerage working for you. Exactly. And the, and they pay a lot of money for just that order flow, because, you know, it doesn't seem like a lot of money, but they'll, they're getting that seven cents, you know, 
a million times a day. Every time that someone buys or sells something on Robinhood or any other of the free brokerages. Mm-hmm. And payment for order flow, if there's a ton of stuff written about this, it's a really controversial practice in the brokerage industry. There's a guy, um, he's what head of a um, I forget what he's from, some lobbying firm or something, but he de- he described it, a regulatory firm, regulatory body. Uh, he described payment for order flow as legalized bribery, which is <laughs> basically what it is. Um, and right after this whole Robinhood fiasco, um, there's a brokerage called Public, which is another, you know, no fee broker. They actually got rid of the practice on their platform because of the outcry from, from young investors about, about the use of uh, payment for order flow. It sounds so like the scam on office space where it says a fraction of a penny, but lots of times, right. you know, and it's nobody exactly, cares who, 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 exactly who loses like the, the penny, you know? Well, I've got a bunch of technical type things I'd love your opinion on, but I don't want to monopolize everything for Aaron and Toby. What else do you got? But I have I have things written down of that are, you know, penny stocks, index fund, the greater fool thing, Hertz no. and Disney stock, uh, how to diversify. I, got, I could go on and on and on. I'd love to have well, your opinion on many things, though. Well, let me ask one thing while we're here with, with, with uh, Robin Hood as well. With GameStop, I think I understand that it was shorted. Uh, I understand some concept of it. I don't get it all, but I didn't. It just shot to the moon and then went down, and now it's back up. And I, and I guess my question is, I don't totally understand. It keeps going up, and are hedge funds still getting, like, fucked? And, like, is it – I mean, is if, if it keeps going – are they – can it – some people say, it'll get to a 1,000, hold, 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 diamond hands, rocket <laughs> to the moon. All the, I mean, what what the hell is happening with this thing? Is it going to go – I mean, are we going to be in 2031, and it's still GameStop forever? <laughs> <laughs> so the, the way that it worked the first time around, um, there's, a, there's something called – so – we I talked about earlier about shorting. So that's basically when you borrow a stock. So basically the way it works, like if I borrow your microphone and then I, um, how do I explain this? So, no, so I sell you the microphone and then I go find someone else to buy it at a cheaper price and then buy it back from you. I keep that difference. So like I sell it to you for a hundred dollars, oh, find someone to buy it for 80, come back, and then I have twenty dollars. The right. same thing works with with stocks, except that there was with GameStop. They were doing it on such a level that one hundred and thirty percent of GameStop stock was sold short. So more stock was sold short than actually existed for GameStop, which is like insane. I didn't even know that could happen before this. So when they forced the short squeeze on it, that means that they were basically driving up the price so much. So when, when you short a stock, let me rewind there too. When you short a stock, you make money when the stock price goes down, just like, you know, most people want it to go up. Um, and then when, so when the stock started to go up, all these hedge funds were short the stock. They were just losing so much money that they had to buy that stock back at a way higher price. And when, so that means that people are buying it because the stock's going up and hedge funds are also buying it to cover their shorts it creates like a buying frenzy where you, that's when you see like the huge parabolic move, like we saw uh, with GameStop, but I'm looking at it now. I actually had to look it up. So the, the short as a percentage of float before the original short squeeze was like 130%, which is insane. Um, now it's only at 26%. So it's significantly lower now. 
Um, so I don't know. I don't. So like, but all my Patreon people were like asking what to do with this GameStop stuff this whole time. And I actually haven't heard about it in a while, but from the beginning, I'm just like, just watch the show. Like you don't need to get involved either way. You don't have to get involved with everything um, when it, when it comes to investing. But um, it was, it was very entertaining to watch and I definitely supported their right to do it. But I also am a fan of conserving my capital and not chasing things higher. Right. I think it rose like 2000% in like a two month period too. Which yeah, is it was insane. Never a good idea. What, what I call FOMO buying into a stock. Is that it, just it, like- but, it, but it feels like finally, man, this is, I, I could win the lottery. I think that's what everybody's thinking, right? <laughs> but I mean, but are you saying, do you think more people got lost money on it than actually made, made big money? Or what do you think about that? I think a lot of people lost a lot of money on it. Yeah. Because if let's say that you bought, let's see where it's at now. Let's say you bought at, you know, $480 at its peak or even, you know, $450. You're still down about 50% where the stock is at right now, more than 50%. And most people are buying at the, I mean, that is when the frenzy happens at the highest price. So everybody everybody acts like, well, I got in here or there, but we all know the facts are most people got in at the wrong time. Yeah. That's just always true. There's also people who made a lot of money on it, you know, and I don't fault anyone for making a profit either way. But for me, me personally, I don't I don't need to assume that that much risk. But that doesn't mean I don't support the right to do it. And sticking to the hedge funds, I love that. Uh, it's basically Occupy Wall Street 2.0, but this time it was actually successful, mm-hmm. right? But um, yeah, I did I didn't get involved either way. It's uh, it's but it was but it was a Hell of a show to watch. So you didn't get involved. But I mean, it seems like you would have thought, it seems like you would have wanted, you did, you thought it was just gambling or silly or what, what kept you out of it? You're smart. Yeah. It's just just gambling. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. It's that, that's not really investing really. That's more speculating. And again, you know, and this is what I was telling people at the time too, because everyone was like, you know, like Robert, you know, what, what are you doing? Like, you know, are, are, are we buying this? Are we, you know, doing an option strategy with it? I'm like this. This is like a a mania. This is this is this isn't like attached to reality. It's not like I'm gonna go like do financial analysis on GameStop and right. come to the conclusion that the company should be worth twenty billion dollars or whatever it's worth. It's worth fourteen billion dollars now. Like, does, <laughs> does GameStop really be worth fourteen billion dollars? I mean, that just doesn't pass the eye test for me. I don't even think it should be worth a billion dollars. Right. So, um, but you know, more power than people who want to make money off of it. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, you know, that's just another thing with investing too. You don't need to get involved with everything. Right. Well, somebody like you, I mean, you look at that and you're like, you know how to make money in the stock market. So you just don't need to even buy. There's a million other stocks that you know how to work the right way. So why are you going to fuck around with crazy right. shit? Right? Yeah. And it's just like, it, you're just going to lose. Like, I know I would lose money. I know for a fact I would lose money if I tried to try to make tried to trade GameStop, which again, I'm not really a trader either. Like my big thing I promote is long-term investing, where it's like okay. you, know, you invest in businesses that you want to hold for like many years. Right. And not, you know, trying like get in and out of a trade really fast. You know, like I, I will trade options. Like again, I've traded options professionally for um, you know, for about five years now. But um even like I'm just looking at this chart right here. It's like, do you really want to add leverage to this? Like on either side, because 
even my brother-in-law was asking me, he's like, should we short GameStop? Like, I was like, just like the, because when, when you short something, you have to borrow it and you pay interest on that. I think the interest to borrow the shares was like 80% or something oh at one point. Oh, like, no You're not going to make any money. It's just like the unnecessary risk in my opinion. Right. So. But is this, do you see with the, I mean, everybody, the what is it, Wall Street bets on Reddit? I mean, is this, is this just the beginning of this, like with with Robinhood, and then um, after Robinhood comes out, you see this crazy financial thing where the it seem seemingly the hedge funds put a stop to the, the even investing in it for a little while, or what, however that happened. You know, you the regular person, the retail investor, as you were saying, had to slow down their investing for a little while because the hedge funds were getting so fucked. But I mean, is there a is is GameStop just the first one? Is there more to come and more volatility and crazy gambling headed this way? So that was an interesting phenomenon um, during the GameStop um, event, whatever you want to call it. Uh, basically, all the other stocks that were also had high short interest, like GameStop was like 130%. There were other ones like AMC had really high short interest, the, the movie theater company. Nokia did as well. Those were all going up as as well at the time, but again, have all come crashing back down for the most part. Right. I, I don't. I this is another thing too. You can't really from like a financial analysis perspective, you can't explain like what's happening with GameStop. I know it's like they're all the thing is like I like the stock on um, on Wall Street bets. It's like maybe they are going to launch a turnaround, and maybe they are going to figure out how to sell video games through GameStop's platform. It's not impossible. Um, but for me, I don't, I don't need to get involved with that. With, but, could, could there be other things like this in the future? P- potentially. Um, but I think, I think hedge funds got the message this time too. Right. They're not going to um, let that happen to them this, again. No. Yeah. It's like there was 130 more shares were sold short than actually existed. It's like, I'm curious asked. with, with shorts like that. So like, you know, the big short, the movie that was popular and, Michael Burry, where does the confidence come to short something that big? And like, where, like, what kind of brain do you have to have? And what kind of analysis is going on where they're like, yeah, this is a good, solid decision? You know, for for the hedge funds, it, I mean, it, if you just think about it, it's like, you know, video game, I don't, I I don't know if you guys are gamers, but like me, I played video games since I was a kid. The way that you, you download video games now, it's like, for at least on Xbox, which what I have. It's like it's just all on Xbox. It's like the yeah. games are on there. You download it directly to it. It's not like when I was a kid, when like the new game came out and like you went to GameStop to get it. Um, and there, it's it's a in a broader sense the um, collapse of brick and mortar retail in the U.S. Yeah, it's like Bar- Barnes and Nobles, you know, Staples, J.C. Penney, you know, all these all these physical retailers that weren't able to figure out how to sell their goods online are kind of just falling by the wayside. Um, and GameStop's just another chapter in that. They have, so part of the bull thesis for GameStop, so the, you know, the people who like the stock, is that there's this guy, Ryan Cohen, who he's from a company called Chewy. He was the, I think, founder and CEO of Chewy, which is a company that sold pet food online. Yeah, and I'm a member. It, yeah, and it's been very <laughs> successful. So he actually joined the board of Robinhood, I think, in December 2020. 
which is like, you know, if this guy figured out how to sell pet food online, he can probably figure out how to sell games online. So you like said Robin Hood, but you meant game, he joined the oh, GameStop board? GameStop, yeah. sorry, yeah. He joined the board of GameStop. Um, and to um, and so it's like there is some credence there. It's Management has a very large impact, and, you know, there's key people that can figure out how to do it. So it's not like it's completely out of the realm of possibility, but, you know, I think – like Ford is probably like a $20 billion company. Should GameStop, even if they do figure out how to sell <laughs> you know, video right. games online, it's like, I don't know. I don't see it, but maybe, maybe I, I didn't, I didn't see the short squeeze either. So who knows? So that, that, go ahead, Matt. I, I'm, I'm curious about the, you know, just a bunch of different things in you know, how you see different companies and some terminology and stuff like that. I think the main concern I have when I'm looking at everything is um, I'm thinking about the time we're living in and the volatility overall seems high. When I'm hearing you talk, it sounds like, oh, stocks are just going to keep on going forever and things will be the way they are. And there's this blip and that blip, but it's a hold steady, a long-term thing. And I like that. I want that to be true. But things like inflation and the market volatility and crypto, they all make me nervous. And I'm curious, what, how much should somebody's even investments even be in stocks, even if they're tech stocks and blue chips and stuff like that? So it, it, it is kind of a common misconception. And it, it's like kind of, people don't really believe me when I say it. Um, but the data really is in your favor to be a long-term stock market bull. And I'm not talking about, you know, buying GameStop or, you know, penny stocks, but indexes. So like the S&P 500, which is like the 500 largest companies in, in the world, have risen. I got some stats right here. Over the last 90 years, 73% of those years, stocks have finished up, finished in the positive territory. Yeah. So that's basically for every one year that we have, you know, a correction or a bear market like we had in 2020 stocks rise for nine years in between there. So that's a lot of value being created during that period. So what you really want to do is just kind of invest regularly, not try and time the market. Market timing doesn't really work. Um, There are people who can do it, but like they work for like quant hedge funds, but like for like the everyday investor, the way that you really make money and build wealth in the stock market over the long term. It's just by buying and holding either index funds or, or strong companies that are growing their, their underlying earnings. And index um, funds is you can buy just the S&P 500. You can just exactly. buy shares of that, and you can do that in your Ameritrade or Robinhood? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that would be, you know, SPY is a big S&P 500 ETF. A VOO, I think, is the Vanguard one. But yeah, that's, you know, if you buy and hold those over a long period of time, again, this is not financial advice. You guys are probably going to hear me say that a few times <laughs> on this. But um, you, if you buy and hold that over a very long period of time, there is a very high probability that it's going to turn into a, a lot of money. But, it, you know, it might take 10 years. But it's it's because basically the stock market is the all the different companies, like those 500 companies are creating all these products and creating all these wealth. Because when you buy a stock in a company, what you're really buying is a piece of that company. You're buying a piece of those profits that they're making. And the long-term trajectory for these companies, you know, a lot of it's based on, you know, productivity in the U.S., which has been rising steadily for the last, you know, 60 years. 
but it's also based partially on population growth, which in the US, you know, native born Americans, we are not really having kids, but luckily we have robust immigration. So we have positive population growth and good demographics here in the US. So that means that there's gonna be more people buying more products down the line that's the creating 500 biggest higher companies yeah. and higher stock prices yeah. over the long term. So that's that's why I really promote long term investing. There's you know you can speculate on stuff and you know sometimes make money, but if you if you keep a long term uh, perspective on things, um, that's really what the data points to to being the best way to create wealth in the stock market. It's not you know market timing or or any of the sexy quote unquote sexy strategies that. I don't want to believe you, though, because it's not <laughs> that what you're saying sounds boring, right? I mean, Amerigo Vespucci sailed across the ocean to find it. He took a chance, right? And it worked. Like, what? I mean, that's the thing that gets me with stocks is like, man, I think that weed company is going up. I so, know, I this- know people are into <laughs> weed. And if I invest this $200, I'm going to make $2,000. That's what, I mean, it feels that way. And so that that's my hope. That's what I tell people, too, is like you can still speculate and, you know, do those riskier investments. You just want to keep those smaller in case it doesn't go your way. Right. Because one thing you have to keep in mind, too, is that when you're investing in a company like that, you're up against every large institutional investor in the world who have the best information they know all the people, they know the industry far better than we'll ever be able to. So it's really hard to compete against them. So you have to realize that that's also priced into that stock. Cause it's like, you know, the way that um, a guy I used to work with asked me one time, he's like, what do you know that they don't know? And it's just like, nothing. I don't know. Yeah. I honestly don't know. <laughs> so uh, that's just kind of something to keep in mind. So you can speculate like that, but you just kind of want to keep them small and manageable in case it doesn't go your way. Right, right. Uh, I, while you've been talking, I just keep thinking about, gosh, it must be, you probably are like a a, a movie producer or a, or a movie uh, director or something. Any, like, I bet you have friends or people that always are ready to pitch you something. They're like, hey, I got this. Hey, the stock, I think it's, what do you think? All right, I mean, people all, hey, what's the thing I should invest in, right? They just, hey, I'm done, like a doctor. Hey, I got this sore elbow. Could you, you know, you're over at my house having dinner. I bet, I mean, how much is that? Especially now that, you know, you're, you're kind of blowing up on TikTok and social media. I mean, are people just hitting you up all the time with either telling you what the next stock is or asking you what it is? It's more the latter. Really? <laughs> yeah. Everyone's like, you know, okay. What, what should I buy right now? It's like, can I call you and like bounce some ideas off you? <laughs> I have like no time for anything right now. I don't know. <laughs> I got enough stuff on my plate, but yeah, that's, it's been like that for a long time. I mean, I've been, I've been the quote unquote stock guy, you know, in my friend group and in my family for right. 10 years now, but it's definitely ramped up because now it's like friends of friends mm-hmm. will reach out and be like, Oh yeah. Yeah. And you, you have to be careful about? because you, like you said, I mean, you hit and you have misses. So even if you told them, you can't guarantee they're going to make a good return. Well, that's that's the thing. It's a no-win situation for me because if they lose money, I look bad. But if they make money, then they just come back asking for more. So it's like, <laughs> why would I tell you? Yeah. 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 Right. Uh, everybody on this call and a few friends, other friends we have in a text group are all still mad at me about Northern Dynasty Mineral Company yeah. that I had them buy <laughs> last summer. Now, I, I gave them a good entry point. And they missed the exit, which I did too. 
I also mix the essay. <laughs> Tony, but, no win situation. No win situation. Yeah. That's why on TikTok, it's like I just show like what I'm doing. Because like if if I show you what I'm doing and, and you lose money, it's like, hey, I lose I lost money too. It's like I, do you I show entry, people? <laughs> will you show entry and exit points though? Because I follow some people on Twitter that they will talk about stocks, but they will say, I don't like to show my entry and exit points because I don't want you to be able to blame me for necessarily right. anything like i'll give you information and thoughts or like hey i am i am in on this stock but not like very specific i guess so i'll give specific so that's what the patreon is so okay. the patreon is just like you get access to not only like what my current portfolio is but whenever i make a change you can see it as well gotcha. so i do i do have that but people have to pay me for that <laughs> yeah yeah, right, I, won't, yeah i won't just give it away for free although i used to on tiktok Gotcha. So the when you say the stock market in this long-term strategy, which I'm a believer in, my grandfather gave me, you know, stocks ten or twelve thousand dollars when I but before I turned eighteen and I've had it and grown it for twenty or thirty thirty years now. And so I that served me super well. But and you say it's been that way for like 120 years, but still there are cycles to everything. And the guy that I trust the most that seems like he knows the most about the world to me is Ray Dalio. Do you know Ray Dalio? Big fan. And, and he makes me really feel like, you know, it is possible that we're at, we're at the end of a empire and a money system that is on the scale of the one twenty years and, and beyond. I mean, that's what that's the way he's at. he's not saying this week or this year or anything like that. But on the historical time scale, empires and currencies don't last forever. But it, and he definitely has a point. Um, currency debasement has been the downfall of lots of civilizations over the centuries. Uh, that happened in Rome and and other other um, other time periods as well. It's definitely something to keep you know in the back of your mind. Um, but it's also worth noting that there's always stock market bears, which Ray Dalio is not a bear. So for again, for people listening, basically there's two spectrums of investing. There's bulls who are like more optimistic about the stock market and bears who are more pessimistic. And history shows that the bulls are usually correct. The math is very much in their favor. Um, and really a lot of people, and this is like super nerd stuff. I'm going to try and gloss over it quick, but one of the, key drivers of asset prices in general are central banks and central bank policy. And right now, the central bank policy is basically as accommodative as it's ever been, which is really good for asset prices. And it doesn't sound like that's going to stop anytime soon. But so. does that not risk inflation or something in a way that would could be bad? Possible. Um, we haven't seen it. Um, so basically, the policies that we're using in the U.S. now have been used in Japan since the 90s and Europe even before in the US. It's called quantitative easing. And J Japan doesn't have an inflation problem. They actually have a deflation problem. And same thing with Europe. Um, so, you know, we'll find out here pretty soon. But one of the best proxies for inflation and inflation expectations is the price of gold. Mm -hmm. And I hold gold in my portfolio as an inflation hedge in addition to Bitcoin and what some percent? commodity stocks. What's up? What percent? You say that? Um, I can actually pull it. Uh, inflation hedges, I think, are about 15% of my portfolio. 
but that's partially just because Bitcoin's up so much. I haven't bought any Bitcoin in well over a year, but it was my largest position going into twenty. But gold and Bitcoin you hold as inflate inflation hedges at, yes. at near 15% cumulative. About wow. 15%. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it was, you know, like 5% Bitcoin's just up so much. So mm-hmm. it's, it's now a larger part of my asset mix, but um it's definitely something to worry about, but like gold prices are actually f- have been falling basically the last four or five months, despite all the actions from the Federal Reserve. Um, they're both keeping interest rates low to try and stimulate economic activity, as well as buying bonds, government bonds every month, 120 billion of bonds every month to try and stimulate activity as well. That's the quantitative easing program. So there, there's a lot of money being created. I think there's some stat, it's like, of all U.S. dollars ever were created in the last year or something. Um, So, you know, we are in a major economic experiment right now. Um, But the thing you have to remember with inflation as well is that stocks actually benefit from inflation. So you would want to be in inflation. So, for example, like I don't think this is going to happen in the U.S., but in Venezuela, they had hyperinflation a few years ago. And their stock market went up like 4,000% because all those, basically what those companies are selling, when the inflation rate rises, they just raise their prices, which raises their earnings, which raises the price of the stock in the general stock market. So you would actually want to be in stocks if you expect inflation. Same if you owned a house. I mean, then then your mortgage is easier to pay off. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So- um, but but, wait, but but wasn't I thought today the Fed was going to say there was like weirdness in the stock market because they might raise the interest rate or not it, on the beginning is it still it makes stocks go down or so there was some speculation that the Federal Reserve might um, might raise or start to either um, taper their bond buying so this this exact same thing happened right at the beginning of my career coming out of the financial crisis. It was actually called the taper tantrum, where um, the the market had been basically supported by the Federal Reserve during the financial crisis through quantitative easing. And investors were so afraid that um, that they were going to stop this bond buying that their like stocks were like really volatile for a little while. But like after that volatility, again, this is why I keep an eye on the long term, then stocks embarked on their longest bull market in U.S. history even after the Fed did start to taper. So stocks were down this morning, basically for the same reason. The investors thought that the Federal Reserve might announce a a change in their policy, which didn't happen. This basically happens every Fed day. Like the definition of insanity is like doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. This is what the market does basically every Fed day. Like the Fed has given no indication that they're going to stop yeah, being accommodative to the market. Um, so right after that announcement came out that they weren't going to do anything, stocks, you know, rallied and finished the day in the green. That was a nice swing today for me. But um, So if you put all the, even with inflation, even with those other things, even if you're well hedged in that way and diversified and in funds and stuff like that, and you're in the S&P 500, that's still the U.S. and its system. Do you mess around with other currencies, and why shouldn't I have a third of my money in China currency? Why wouldn't I do that? So um, first is because the U.S. is the world reserve currency, still at least for now. I, th- I don't think that's going to stop anytime soon. 
but it's good to be in the dominant currency because everything is priced. I mean, you guys, did you guys do much international touring for with your band? Some, yeah. Yeah, did, some. did you notice how like everybody in foreign countries follows the dollar really closely? They're like, oh man, the dollar went up. It's like, fuck. It's like now everything's more expensive here or vice versa. Um, that, so that's one reason. It doesn't mean you don't want to be diversified into other currencies, but you also have to remember that all the central banks around the world are all doing the same thing. They're all doing quantitative easing now. They're all keeping interest rates low, at least among the major economies. So it's kind of like you're either way you're going to be involved with some sort of monetary debasement. So if if we had a big crash, it would also could crash other places too. Base. It's not like if we if our market crashes that the other ones shoot up as a result. It, it, we could have a global pinch or something. Yeah, so like um good proxy would be like March 2020. Um it's like it wasn't just US stocks that were crashing. Everywhere around the world was crashing. Um so it's it, the global financial markets are more linked now than ever before and there's a lot of coordination between central banks as well. Isn't that so, scary? What? Isn't that scary? Ah, no, not really. <laughs> I mean, because we all fly around the world all the time, constantly as yeah. a global society, the pandemic can get us all in a couple of months. So if all of our banks are linked and everybody's got the same strategy and everybody's doing everything in the whole world at the same time, that seems more vulnerable to me. But the the other side of that is that if we were going to have a collapse of the global financial system, I think it would have happened in March last year. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. When everything test. had like to it. shut down. Yeah, we're right. fine. Yeah, it's we're real fine hard. Now. It's real hard. Like, I'm a moron. I don't really understand what you're talking about at all. Like, I don't see why they wouldn't just get on the phone and be like, yo, let's not crash it. Like, <laughs> let's just all, like, okay, China, Europe, hey, how about we just not? <laughs> why, so that's, why, do, why do we that, have to crash? <laughs> I mean, I they, they certainly tried, I'm sure. Um, I mean, in some countries, in Japan, the central bank actually buys stocks directly <laughs> to try and support the market. Yikes. They will print money oh. and then turn around and buy stocks. But oh that's, my God. That's, that sounds scary. Maybe it's the right thing to do, but it feels like the whole thing, the whole system is a big leverage thing that we all believe in. And that's okay. I mean, that that's we were able to create out of that, and it does work. And there are there is productivity because of this whole system. So, but it feels at sometimes you can realize what things can be bubbles, and they can be very large things, you know, overall. But the international currencies, I've never bought any other, but it's starting to seem like it makes sense because then it's like you can pick t- Apple or Tesla or whatever, but you can just bet on countries too. It's like. Which country do you think is going to kick some ass? I mean, you, why don't you just buy some of their currency, right? Yeah. And I mean, the, it's good to be diversified internationally to a certain extent. Um, but it's like 10, also 15 percent, like the other hedge in that. I probably less. have like 5 percent of my my assets in international stocks, maybe even less. Um, one thing you want to remember, too, is that U.S. stocks as a whole have outperformed international stocks on a broad ba- a broad basket of international stocks for a long time now like but like it or not the U- US is where all the big powerful tech companies are located it's where most innovation is happening for whatever reason right um all those companies i mean there's no there's not really any like facebooks or googles or amazons in europe um, I mean, there are other, you know, e-commerce companies like in South America, there's Mercado, Mercado Libre um, and there's Alibaba in China. 
but they're nowhere near as large or as powerful as U.S. tech companies. Mm-hmm. So it's good to be where the value is being created. And I think part of the reason for that, too, is that, you know, the U.S. is not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But there are we have a very favorable business environment here in the U.S. Um, you know, it's not too hard to start a business. Uh, you know, taxes can vary, but, you know, tax policy as a whole is pretty accommodative here as well. Um, and, you know, we have some of the highest per capita income in the country or in the world. So there's lots of people with lots of money who are able to buy stuff. Um, so when that happens, that that combination of things um, is is really good for, you know, the, the stocks that underpin those businesses. You're very stabilizing. Uh, that's very good. You're making me feel, but you know, better. But the, you know, the media and the news can be pretty wild, and the times we live in are pretty, pretty crazy. So there is volatility, and there's, I mean, you know, there is fear, and, and that the, affects things. So, it, and that's not to say that you shouldn't have like a healthy dose of skepticism with all this stuff, too. Um, you know, and you can ha- hold stuff in your portfolio to hedge against that. Like, you know, I have a position in gold. I have. I think Bitcoin's a hedge against, you know, worst case scenario type situations, as we've seen in other countries who have had hyperinflation. Um, but it, one thing you have to remember, too, you know, the, the news is trying to get you to click on stuff mm-hmm. and they want you to be scared overall. Um, I've worked with kind of my role at my company for a while. Older investors tend to be a little more skeptical and a little more bearish. And my role has always been like the optimist. Like I'm like the bull, the bullish guy. That might be something to do with actual age. You know, like you get a certain age, you start to be more this way. And, you know, there's a there's a cycle to that, I think. Which makes sense, too, because they can take on less risk, you know, because they need that money to retire, you know. But like younger people, it's like you can assume more risk. You can you can, you know, potentially have a trade not go your way. And you have years of earnings power left to cover those losses, you know. Older people, less so. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, I mean, it's the the math is really in your favor to be a long term stock market bull um, for for most data points I've seen. There's definitely been periods where like, you know, stocks haven't done very well or have kind of gone sideways or down. Um, But I think that's more so driven by uh, central bank policy more than anything, honestly. Is this uh, something that has come with age? Like, were you more reckless or wild when you were younger? Like when you first, like you, all these folks that have gotten in trouble with GameStop, did you have, did you have one of those where you're like, oh, I'm about to get rich and then it didn't work out? Or are you always been pretty solid? I actually used to be much more bearish. I've really, really? Only turned more bullish probably the last three years. Um, so when I came out of college, I was working for an investment research company that definitely caters to a bearish audience. And there, there's a huge audience for that. And I, a guy I used to work with, excuse me, he once said that, uh, you know, it's a lot easier to sound smart when you're bearish because you're kind of seeing something that's not there. But in actuality, and it's, it's also easier to get clicks, which is probably like, you know, people, some people make an entire career. Mm-hmm. Out of scaring people. Yeah, you can tell those people yeah. sometimes. And you they're and they're terrible investors. I don't understand how these people like have subscribers that pay them for this information. Do they just like the feeling of the fear porn thing? They like really. their, that, their like, biases you know. confirmed. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, I you know, I don't I don't know that much. I'm just a, 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 a old normal all the basic conservative strategies you're talking about, guy. 
and then just overall, I think, man, I better. Not, I hope I don't get influenced by algorithms and outrage stuff and fear people and bears. I don't want that in my head, but I, I had to be rational, <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> for for sure, and you have to have a health again. You have to have a healthy dose of skepticism, and you know, you you have to always be guarding for the downside. Um, but I mean, the, the data is very much in the favor of it, especially if you're investing for the long term. Mm-hmm. you know, I had a, the whole like diamond hands thing. Yeah. It's actually kind of a play <laughs> on, um, what investors call strong hands and weak hands. So it's like, historically, it's like, if there's volatility, like if stocks are falling or something, people will panic sell. And it's usually the people who have weak hands, but the strong hands come in and buy those stocks on the cheap. Because really, that's how it's counterintuitive and it's really hard to master. I still struggle with it. But you really, when like in March 2020, that was actually the best time to buy, even though it was like the scariest time to buy. Right. So much uncertainty. And now with stocks back at all time highs, you know, the risk reward is not nearly as much in your favor, but everybody wants to buy when stocks are going up. Nobody wants to buy when they're going down. Um, so it's, I, I try to say that it's like, you always want to uh, sell on euphoria and buy on fear, which is harder to do, but yeah. it kind of goes um, with like uh, Warren Buffett's whole thing. It's like buy when there's blood in the streets. Actually, I don't know if Buffett said that, but one of those older investors. Uh, also the buy the rumor and sell the news. Buy the that- rumor and sell the news. That's another, I did a video on that not too long ago. Um, we had a good example of that with uh, the Pfizer vaccine. Because, you know, everybody was buying the stock, you know, thinking that uh, after they announced the vaccine, being like, oh, like they're going to make so much money off this vaccine. But really, right. the money was to be made during the rumor of the vaccine, because that was actually the top for Pfizer. So I think it's down like 15 percent last I checked from when they announced. And that's what it means uh, to be priced in. It's not like it's not like everybody smart didn't already know what the top of that was. So the day it goes in the news that there's a vaccine by Pfizer, that's too late. That's mm-hmm. stock and- go down time. And that's when the that's when the strong hands are just selling to the weak hands too. Yeah. They're like, okay, take take this out of here. You know, this this has been fully valued. Um, and you know, by the time it's on the news, you've probably missed it as well. You kind of have to be keeping close tabs on what's happening with those those types of big companies. And really, it's like I wasn't totally surprised to see that. I own Pfizer and didn't sell on the news. I just, I had the thought at the time. I was like, this is probably gonna be a top for this. Um, but I but I held on to mine. But in hindsight, it was like the vaccine for a company like Pfizer is such a small part of their sales mix. I think it's like four percent of their sales. So it's really not going to move the needle that much. Anyways. Right. That's like everybody um, betting on the Cowboys at home when they're in the a playoff game. It's just, you know, or something. It's just the, right. it's what everybody would think to do. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Which makes it wrong. <laughs> since you became since you became more bullish, is your daily life more like uh, Wolf of Wall Street <laughs> or like Billion? I've been watching that TV show Billions, and I love it, by the way. But the intensity of some of the trades—that's not you don't you like the just keeping it steady, not not gambling and, and fucking around or whatever. But those it seems like Wolf of Wall Street and Billions. That's probably still feeds into the ego of the regular person like me that's on Robin or something, right? Like it, cause it seems so intense and so crazy, but damn it, I'm going to make this and oh shit. You know I mean? But, but also hell yeah, we did it. It's, it's insane. Yeah. And I think that's like the, the style of investing that I promote, you know, long-term investing. 
it's not sexy like the what you see on billions where it's like you know it's like fast moving like people making big deals um but really that is how you create wealth in the long term is just by holding very solid companies growing their earnings over really long periods of time um because really like you you don't make a lot of money like when, when you buy or sell something you make it by waiting and it's like right. you have to have patience with investing which a lot, especially new investors they just don't really have they want to make money right away but at least in my experience it's like that's just how you kind of lose money because even if you hit on your first trade that's probably the worst thing that could happen to you because right. then you're going to have all this gumption, like this gusto going. You're just going to go, you're like, oh, I'm a genius. I'm just going to go twice as hard on the next one. And then you're going to lose all your money. Right. The <laughs> same as gambling at the casino. If you hit, exactly. as soon as you walk in the door, you're screwed. But I mean, those, those like billions and hit, I mean, that is a peek into some of investing. Is that like, is it really that intense? Is Wolf of Wall Street, um, or is that all at least past now? Like Wolf of Wall Street was the 80s or whatever. Is that kind of Wall Street gone? Or is it still that like cutthroat insaneness? Um, so I've actually never seen that show, but there are definitely like very high pressure hedge funds or hedge funds around. I mean, the hedge funds in general are kind of a dying breed hedge funds for all the, uh, you know, headlines they get and what people think about when, when you hear about a hedge fund, hedge funds as a whole have actually underperformed the S and P 500. I think it's like nine of the last 11 years. Wow. Wow. (laughs) They're not even like as, as a whole, there's definitely like exceptions to that rule. There's one company, Renaissance Technologies, which is like a quant hedge fund. They're basically the best performing hedge fund of all time. But like as an asset class, hedge funds are have been terrible investments for, I think since the global financial crisis, it's like nine of the last 11 years they've underperformed, something crazy like that. Although I think uh, people probably like Wolf of Wall Street, Toby, you're saying, I think people misunderstand too what was actually how they were making their money. It wasn't trading right. stocks, right? It was commissions. Right. It was like, oh, fuck the stock. Yeah, we're just going to take the money from suckers. We get paid no matter what. Right. Like that yeah. was their business model. Yeah, and there's lots of strategies that retail investors just wouldn't do anyways. Like act, like activist investing is like a very popular style hedge fund strategy where you basically are trying to like get seats on a board so that you can influence management and make the company better and then make the stock price go up. But it's like, you have to do that by like accumulating like hundreds and thousands of shares of the stock to have enough seats on the board to be able to do that. But like retail investors can't do that. And that's not to say that they're, uh, it's called like a long short hedge fund, which like they buy stocks and sell and short stocks. Those definitely exist, but kind of a dying breed overall, honestly, from from what I understand. I've never worked at a hedge fund or in the hedge fund industry, but but from what I understand, that's kind of they're kind of on the out and out and out. Um, do you think crypto and DeFi, DeFi centralized finance, can play nice with the our current financial system and stocks? And it'll be a, like a, you know, will there is it will it stay separate? Like you won't talk about crypto, but you will do this, or will you just get farther and farther into that as it rises? Um, I think that it's good to have a backup system for sure. Um, and you know, I, I own Bitcoin's my largest position. I own other crypto. I'm not as deep in the crypto space as a lot of people. Um, I have a buddy who's like, that's all he does. It's like trade crypto at this point and to much success, but so I don't know as much about it. Um, but I think it is good to have kind of like that other backup financial system that, could potentially grow and you know take over the current one, and that that would be a decentralized system, which 
could potentially be better kind of early inning. So it's hard to tell. Um, but, you know, I, I definitely want to have exposure to that trend, which is why I have, you know, a very sizable position in Bitcoin and Ethereum and then a few other smaller ones. Um, but um, and again, especially like for younger investors, you know, maybe Bitcoin could go to zero. Like Bitcoin could be banned and everyone who invested would lose all their money. I don't think that's going to happen. But, you know, younger investors, they can assume the risk of that happening because of what I was talking about earlier. Because even if that does happen, they have all these years of earnings power left to cover up those losses. Um, so I think crypto, especially for a younger audience with a higher risk tolerance, it's worthwhile. Um, but, you know, it is very risky um, and it can move against you real quick, uh, as we saw, you know, in uh, 2017 uh, to 2018, when we saw a huge collapse uh, in Bitcoin and other crypto cryptocurrencies. Yeah. Well, that make, that makes you really credible in my view for all the way around all the different angles you give at yourself make me feel very comfortable. But even that one particularly, because you're a younger guy on TikTok at, with this other strategy, and it sounds like you're open to crypto and things change. It's not like you're just married to one strategy or whatever. You sound like a flexible person. And then these, the younger generation seems like they're going to be more interested in crypto, even if it's not just Bitcoin. So, you know, people be able to write. That's what I find most fascinating are the people who are going to actively be able to alter as the future changes or changes faster for better or worse. That adaptability is the quality and really rational people that, I, that I'm looking for. So that to be open to that and to, you know, let the clutch out slowly, that sounds, that does sound correct to me. Yeah, and it doesn't mean that you throw the old strategies by the wayside either. But um, and you got to do your homework on it too. But um, you kind of it doesn't matter the industry. You got to adapt or die, or you're going to be left behind. So, so one analysis: Disney. Are they going to? What's Disney going to? How do you? If you you've analyzed, I saw if you had a TikTok of it. But if you've analyzed Disney, I, I would like to hear that. I so that's a long term position for me. I've held it a. a for at least a year now. I think I bought more during the COVID crash. Um, Cause one thing about Disney is just as like a broad standpoint, Disney has like, I don't know if you guys have kids, but like Disney has like a monopoly on our childhoods. Right. Which isn't going to change anytime soon. In my mm-hmm. opinion, their, their brand is, I think that's, I, I think I mentioned in the videos from like a year ago now, but I think they have like, the fifth strongest brand in the world by like brand equity. It's like companies actually have to like estimate how much a brand is worth. I think Disney's like in the top five. Um, But Disney is also, not only do they have, you know, that just brand image and that monopoly on our childhood, they're also one of the largest streaming platforms now through their Disney plus, which couldn't have been launched at a better time. I think they launched it like four months before the pandemic. Um, so that's been a huge win for them. Uh, and they already have all the content to put on there. But you have to remember, too, that Disney is also a reopening play because they generate about 30% of their revenue pre-pandemic from their theme parks. So they're kind of like a triple threat um, from an investing standpoint. I still hold them. I don't I don't know if I would buy at these prices unless you're going to hold for a really long, long period mm-hmm. of time. I'm not looking to buy. Um, but, you know, my position where I bought it's up like triple digits at this point. So I just don't need to add to it. But if you have a long-term position, I mean, it's, it's a pretty awesome company, um, you know, great management team. And they've just been around for so long too. Um, mm-hmm. So I think they have that, that strong brand that's streaming, streaming revenue now, because they're kind of like coming into the digital age. 
Um, but then they have the reopening play too. And I don't know about you guys, but like, I cannot wait to go on a trip anywhere. And I think a lot of, a lot of people are going to be wanting to go to the Disney parks uh, in right. Florida and uh, here in LA here pretty soon. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, one more though, Tesla, that's a divisive stock. What's the, what's your thoughts on, what's the analysis that you've done on it? So um, I still hold Tesla. They're, they're another one of my larger positions. Um, I don't know if I would buy. That's kind of one that was in a little bit of a mania as well. Mm-hmm. But cool thing about Tesla is that, you know, if you look at a chart of uh, envir- or, um, electric vehicle growth over the next 25 years, it's like an exponential growth curve from a global standpoint. Uh, and since they are the market, I prefer to own the market leader in basically any industry I'm investing in. Tesla is by far the market leader in EVs right now. There is a lot of competition coming, which, you know, I think would give pause to some some investors at this point, just because the stock is very richly valued. I think they're like the seventh largest company in, in the U.S. right now. Um, so um, their, their Bitcoin stuff gives me a little bit of pause, too. I'm not going to lie. Um, not going to say that I know more about, you know, cryptocurrency and technology than Elon Musk. Um, but it seems a little reckless to be yeah. buying Bitcoin on your balance sheet. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just uh, old school. <laughs> but um, but that's another thing with with Elon Musk too. Um, it's kind of a double edged sword. The guy's arguably the most brilliant entrepreneur in history. Um, how he's created you know SpaceX, Tesla, Solar City, Neuralink, you know all these hey, crazy pal. companies. Yeah. But the guy is also a major risk <laughs> to your company too, because he pushes the boundaries so much. Um, and you, this is—it's called um, key man risk. You know, God forbid mm-hmm. something happens to Elon Musk, and you know he passes away suddenly or something. Then what happens to the stock price? Right. Yeah. Oh gosh, so you're right. That's a risk. Would, just it, yeah, yeah, it would crash immediately if he died. Yeah. So oh, it's yeah. like. You have to you have to keep all those risks. Some people are like, you know, I'm going to only own Tesla. It's like, why would you do that to yourself? Right. <laughs> do you know I, what kind of conspiracy fan, theories but... would happen if he died suddenly? I mean, oh, no. that'd just be it. That'd be the it'd be, and the I, stock of the crash, and he did it, and he'll come back, and it's going to be it's just it's going to show up in a neural link hologram. Yeah. So. <laughs> I know, man. <laughs> He just together. showed up. If he died and then showed up alive again, Neuralink, I promise yeah. you, every family member I have in South Carolina would say he is the Antichrist yeah. Oh, yeah. for sure. Right? Like he would, there'd be zero doubt in their mind that he would be the Antichrist. Like, or like yeah, the the holographic backup of Elon started running the meetings from then. You know, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Oh my gosh. Well, Robert, this has been really fascinating. Thank you for going through so much information with us in, the, yeah, this, in this period of time hanging out. This is great. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. You guys are awesome. Yeah, where, uh, tell everybody where they can find you and your Patreon and everything. Yeah, so you can find me on Patreon at TikStocks. That's just T-I-K and then stocks, all one word. And it's the same on Instagram, on TikTok, and then I'll have a YouTube channel coming soon. And you can read, I have a weekly uh, article on MaldenEconomics.com as well. Awesome. Excellent. This is great, dude. We really appreciate your time, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All right. See ya. I I, uh, bought Nokia. <laughs> now, just much like Robert, I want to say I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not telling you what to buy or what not to buy. I'm just telling you what I did. I don't even. Are you allowed to say you? 
you are allowed to say you bought something and right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't understand. What is the financial? Roles. What's the disclaimer you know there? That if somebody do. said, "I heard you, I heard you on this podcast," that's what it is. Like I heard you on this podcast saying, but as long, but you, if you said, "Go buy this now," you can't say that. You can't legally. You can say anything you want to. People I don't know. They, but okay. It, no, but no, if you but hear the sound of my voice, you must buy Tesla tonight. <laughs> no, no, but I but, am a financial advisor. <laughs> no, that's no, a fact. No, you must no, buy it. No, he's not. I'm no, certified. Not. Don't you put that? It's shit a command. On me. I don't command you, is, you. I'm half this podcast, motherfucker. Don't I you demand if you've ever listened to this podcast, no. you must buy tonight. <laughs> fucking Bernie Madoff over here. <laughs> <laughs> Ruined my life. I gotta tell Jess I gotta go to federal prison because man fucking around on the bad Christian pocket. <laughs> and no, you're not a financial advisor. I there am. has to be some reason. There is some reason. Of that- course, nobody wants to be blamed. I mean, it's all down. It's like I'm not a doctor. No, you, but there's you something say, more that because no, because they're investigating. I'm not telling Elon you what Musk your diet right advice for- is. I'm not giving no. this for every industry where there's a, inve- a certified the, I- thing. You don't, you know, claiming. You're one and deceiving somebody could no, open you to something. No, there's more than that. I promise you. They're investigating Elon Musk now for raising Dogecoin, influencing Dogecoin prices. Oh, so, man. The, but the idea would be most likely the reason, only way he'd get in trouble if he had a stake in the company, right? Or it, the, the coin. It's and not, then increased it on his own. You can jeopardize your own job by doing nonsense. If you're a biology professor right. and you go tell whatever and you go, Give yeah. legal advice, and then then that screws you up professionally from your other thing. Like yeah. he's not a financial advisor; he's an analyst. Neither are you. And so, I, no, I am one, but he's no, not. You're not. <laughs> but he that would mess up. You know, that it's to protect your actual professional status, not to keep the police from coming to your house. Because I said I am a financial advisor. I don't, you must know, buy. I don't know the rules. You know what? what I'm you saying. know what? Fuck this. I'm one too. Buy now. <laughs> no. And- you are not. You I are am one not. By Nat. No, no, no you don't. Do not. We do not buy that. This is not. Y'all do not do that. Also, <laughs> you should be on carnivore diet. No, man. Get out it of here. is right. I am a nutritionist. I'm getting mad. This I'm is really official nutrition advice. And you also, uh, legal advice here. Let me say, what can I give you legal? Don't get married. That's some legal advice. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I bought, I bought Nokia, and uh, this is what's so stupid about it. As soon as I bought it, it went down like a dollar, right? I didn't have much, only like 50 or 60 shares. I don't know, not that many. It wasn't that much. A couple hundred bucks, 300, whatever it was. Went down, and so I was like, you know what? Just like Robert said, if I, I don't need to look at this every day. Just let it ride because eventually it will work its way back up, right? And so it did a little bit, and then it go back down. It would a little bit, it go back down. And uh, last week, uh, I was looking at it, and I was like, "Huh, I guess this is never going to go up." And I just wanted to see if I cashed out now, how much of my money I would have gotten back, you know. Uh, and so I looked at it, and I was like, "Well, I'll just keep on holding on to it." And then I went to swipe out of the app, but in Robinhood, when you swipe up, you buy or sell yeah. if you're on that page. <laughs> so I fucking sold. <laughs> And I was like, well, <laughs> shit. So then my point, then I could either buy back in immediately into the stock that's been, you know, screwing me over for a month or two. And, uh, or, which, because uh, I don't even care about it. Or I was like, you know what? No, you know, I'm going to do the, I'm going to do the good thing here. I'm going to buy another stock, this other stock that I know that probably going to do good. They have an earnings call. 
I was notified by Robin Hood. There's an earnings call. You know, <laughs> they about to blow up to the moon. People on Twitter to the moon, right? I bought that stock. I was like, here we go. Woke up the next morning down 20 cents. <laughs> yeah, no, Robin Hood so, has way too much power. If the way yeah, you're describing that, that's ridiculous. Right. It should not be on it. I know. It sounds like Tinder. It is. No, it is Tinder. It, it's just, I promise you, it's just it's, a, uh, it's, it's the gambling the machine same level the gas of station. And lizard brain reward system as Tinder also. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not. I mean, it, no, it, it has taken the place of the gambling machines. You remember it? Yeah. Uh, what was uh, poker machines? We, the, you remember yeah. Wee Willis gas station near my yeah. house the, yeah. uh, on the corner down there? Uh, yeah. They used to have four gambling machines, poker machines, uh, yeah. poker machines, yeah. and you'd go down there, and the uh, person working the counter at the gas station would tell you how uh, Bill came and blew his whole paycheck. They come in and cash the paycheck. Go to the yeah, poker cash machine. The, go, yeah. go sit over there for three hours and lose their entire paycheck, thinking they're going to hit that big one. And that's exact. I mean, it can be like that. I can see, and that's what's really hilarious is that Robin Hood could go everywhere, but there's still gambling, still a little bit weird. It has been strange on apps and stuff like that. And you got, you know, I know it's getting more and more, but it is funny. Like you have to protect people, but at the same time, you got to let them. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? That oh, everybody yeah, goes. Yeah. Wait, why does the hedge fund guy get to fuck around? He knows that much more than me because I mean, Robert just told us the hedge funds don't do better. You know, they're not doing that great either. So the, the regular person goes, well, if I want to drop $20 or $200 or $2,000. Yeah, but his point is you don't get revenge on them by losing your paycheck. Right. <laughs> no, no, yes, you're right. But Robinhood doesn't need anything. They just, they're just getting you on, tra- they get money every time you do a transaction. I think this yeah. is, okay, here's what I was saying. When he was talking about Disney, y'all were talking about Disney. I was like, maybe Disney just... <laughs> This probably get me in more trouble. With Maybe Disney just caused the pandemic just to get their stock to go. <laughs> well, that, I they mean, knew that, they were going to do. They knew they were dropping Disney Plus, and all of a sudden, you had to stay home and what? Watch TV. I mean, maybe Disney's the most evil company where I am not saying that's what they did. God forbid. I, I think they're wonderful. Devin Shelton's at Disney World right now. I'm just saying it is funny. Like, well, here's what's funny. When I remember when the stock market crashed, it was that March, right? Right. I mean, mm-hmm. it was right around my birthday last about this time last year. It went no, and I can remember looking at Bitcoin. It was three. It was like three thirty five hundred. You know, right under four thousand dollars. And I was like, man, that's so funny. It'll probably never go back up, or even if it does, it probably won't get back up to ten thousand dollars. I remember thinking, that. I was like, well, it's going to take a lot. I mean, we're in a pandemic. It's going to take a lot to get back to ten thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. And then we sit here one year later, and it's what sixty, fifty five, or something today. Isn't that crazy? Like, yeah. it, it, he's exactly right. If anybody would have bought, like, I wish to God, I could. If I could go back in any time, it'd be the beginning of the pandemic. And if you could go back any time, <laughs> you just go back to last March. Well, do, I the, love do this out. again. I love, <laughs> I love hanging out at my house and watching movies. <laughs> <laughs> you always know that about me. <laughs> I love, you know what? I was thinking about this. I bet you famous people are so happy. They get to wear a mask all the time in public now. You know what I mean? I, like, I, mean, I bet in Hollywood and LA, I mean, I bet they feel, I, I mean, you don't even have to worry. Nobody can even see you. You know what I mean? They, you don't, you aren't seen anymore in public. But anyway. Well, Toby doesn't want to go back to 1999 to buy Amazon because then he'd have to go on the road again for 15 oh, years. God. He'd have to do all that over. Yeah. Imagine having to go to high school again. Yeah. Could no, you, I mean, I mean, what? That oh would, no! You wouldn't want to, right? No, no. You could do the last year. The last year would be good if you knew to just buy all right. the stocks in the right. Bitcoin. And but I'll, I'll, I'll do that again. again. 
Yeah. Right. And I know, you know, I know a little bit more of, oh, wait a minute. This is how it's going to play out. Protect people. Tell some of my loved ones, you know, hey, this is really, you know, I could. But that if you'd have just invested, imagine if you'd have taken out 10, 20, 30,000 dollars, took it alone and just put that into the stock market, 10 different stocks, you would be very wealthy now. Mm hmm. Right. Yeah, I mean, you, you just you be very just mortgage. Wealthy. You could have mortgaged your home, got a second mortgage or something. Yeah, you're right. Just I mean, throwing, throwing it in. 100%. So, every, I mean, so basically we're not, you know, we, this, we're not giving financial advice, but if, it, if the stock market goes down one point tomorrow, put everything into it. Go we are to go up to, no, we are answer. giving, we are giving. Financial no, advice. we are not yeah. giving financial advice. I just I'm registered you. you while we were sitting here and you're now certified Toby too. Damn it. Yeah, you are. If, if, if I go to jail for this shit, y'all, I, I know, I know how to make it in jail. Y'all don't look at you. <laughs> I can make it in jail. Y'all two are in trouble. If Matt, if you could go back any time in history, when would you go back? Well, I had a pretty good lunch this afternoon. <laughs> it was a real good sandwich. That would have been the most time in your life. Well, I guess the same as what, like 2007, 2008, whatever, in that crash, you could have made a lot of money too, right? And then well, probably did the stocks go down real bad in 9 11? I'm assuming they did. Uh, not, not the same as 2008. Not, they went down the immediately and, back, and, and came back over time. I mean, so, it was a crash. But so, would that mean most likely 2008 then, was, was huge? But I mean, you didn't make any money unless you weren't previously in the market. Right. But that means that there was a shitload of, well, maybe not a shitload. There were some people that really made money in the Great Depression. Then, oh, right? yeah. Like and that was time. like, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was like, that probably made millionaires and billionaires out of families. Yeah. 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 Wow, yeah, sure. and 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 my whole life I look back on it going, oh, that was a devastating time. My papa lived through it. You know, they struggled to make ends meet. Didn't they say that. Rockefeller had like eighteen percent of GDP or something? He was richer than we understand, like, like way more yeah, than everybody now. Like really? he had like eighteen yeah. percent or thirteen, like double digit percent of GDP. Yeah, it was, was his companies. Like you know, like relative. Good God, you no, know, you watch uh, on history. History Channel has that. Uh, show the men who built america and it goes yeah. through all the vanderbilt rockefeller and uh pittsburgh steel or i don't know all those people yeah. and it's unreal how um, actual rich they were yeah like they were beyond what we even think of steve jobs or you know jeff bezos it was crazy yeah yep. dog so they were richer then than even now comparatively they would be mm -hmm. more they'd be like jeff bezos or more more yeah a lot more, more. Way more, as far as overall like relative uh, share of uh, of the, the whole, of the yeah. whole economic pie of the United States. His yeah, companies shit. were, uh, but there weren't so many companies and all that. But it'd yeah. be like maybe all of the tech. It was is his like it's industrial industry of stuff was like him, and that was like it was industrial age. So he was like the guy. Yeah, I guess they had no tech stock, like in the sense of not anything. much. I mean, there wasn't a. I mean, I guess the. When you think of I mean, technology that was now, tech. that was tech, though, right? That was, was the tech, it, yeah. But it was like Ford making a new car, and that or tech something stuff. like that with air right. conditioning <laughs> or windshield wipers or whatever. But uh, the, but now, I mean, yeah, the only thing that could maybe the, there was movie stock. I was trying to think like what maybe <laughs> a phone company probably that, that first you know AT and T stock or whatever that probably like whatever that tech was. But I mean now it's all digital. I mean NFTs and all that stuff. I mean it's just and. This is the thing we hadn't talked because we did the episode with Zach from Mentable. We did Robert Harris stocks with Zach was NFTs. Money's going to be able to be 
moved in different ways now than it, than it has been available to us. Yeah. Retail investor, us, the normal yeah. folks, right? So you are going to own NFTs because it will be a source of wealth for you, a, a source of income or a, a way to use that NFT to buy resources mm-hmm. or whatever, food, uh, yeah. healthcare, whatever it'll be. But I mean, that's what's going to happen. It's going to become, I think it's going to happen maybe even more quickly than we think. I think the dollar is going to seem way less important very soon. I I like the way Robert was talking, and I'm not a doomer or anything like that, but it does. You're you're a bear, I guess, right? You're not a bull. I'm a bull. I've always put in all the money I have in stocks and always bought more stocks. That's a bull. And I've got a lot more money than I started with. So I don't sell. If I sell, it's just to move it or whatever. Right. Um, So I do think, though, when I look at, Overall, or if I just look at my kids, I meant, I meant like sexually. You're a Sex, bear. I'm a bear in the, in <laughs> the community. A, well, no, yes. are you? A, would you yes. be a bear? Or would you be like a what is that, a badger? I, I like an soul? otter or something. <laughs> an otter. Yeah, that's what you are. Oh yeah. boy, an otter. That tail yeah. flapping. Thin, a little thin, a little long and thin, but still. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Animal, still an still animal. Gonna lay, yeah, gonna have some fun. Gonna, yeah. A little bit. An otter. Yeah. Will, Fuck you up and yeah. be careful. You don't mess around with the otter. <laughs> Hell yeah. 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 All right. That's so, what I meant. But, but I do think that we'll go through a some type of financial revolution. Like money won't be the yeah. same as when we talk about money today and we talk about money in 30 years from now. It, it won't make sense what that will be like compared to right. today. Like it'll be a different thing that everybody has free access to money. To It's like maybe when they were wiring up the electrical grid. It's like yeah. a bunch of people got fried. And died, and it was like it made stuff better, kind of slowly. And then, but now, if you look back and say, "Well, we have electricity," but you couldn't have imagined what, like that's a that's the level of what's going to happen with finance and and DeFi and and connecting the whole world. It'll be the internet again of with money, and it probably will be good, but lots of bad, small bad, lots of small bads just has to be involved. That's crazy. I never thought about it that way. Whenever a new technology or a new thing happened, definitely people died. Every tons of tons, tons. <laughs> like, like the, fir- the, the first printing press, oh. Harold's bloody corpse is just going through it dead. I mean, what was that? Well, uh, you start it, all was, the way back at the Great Wall of China. Yeah. Oh, that's, God. The, that's the original. Right. Like, well, those people got, went to go die to make that wall, and that was a got, good technology. Somebody got run over by a Tesla car, and everybody was losing their mind. Like, we can't let this happen. Right. What did you over. expect? Somebody was going to die? Right. Somebody had to. Yeah. What what was right. uh was, was it Madame Curie that it was the she breathed in she it, discovered it, radiation. Right. Uh, so it was radiation. And immediately she died of radiation poisoning. And died of yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And now we Not just immediately, remember her. but she but she, you know, immediately got a bunch of radiation poisoning, you know. Shit. I'm glad I I, I stay away from it. I, I Yeah, I, I stay I, away I, from I, I stay away from creating Stuff like that, or yeah. finding just, new. You, you hardly ever just discover stuff like radium. Yeah, I, if I saw radium, if I saw radium, and now you don't fuck around with cesium, it, almost never. Yeah, if I saw radium, and is radium clear and unseeable and unsmellable? Is that true? Uh, no radium. That's radon. That's radon. radon. That's your house has radon in it. You do fuck oh, with that. God. You have radon. Oh, I got radon all in. I'll, I'll <laughs> fuck around we, with some radon, not radium. We skipped that inspection. I'm a little scared. You did. Yeah, we're told it's not that big of a deal. Hard that half people don't even get a radon inspection. I know right? that's what several people told me. That one one friend told me that he's like it's invisible and you can't smell it, but they want to charge you a bunch of money for it, and that's all he said. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, does it exist? I guess so. Yeah, probably. Yeah, <laughs> but can you show it to me? 
And it and he said, and it gave it gives you cancer. But he said, what about all the people that have cancer that definitely lived in houses without radon? There's a lot, maybe even yeah. most. So you know, but I might be. Getting I mean, it. when's the last I time you saw a GoFundMe for a radon victim? Is all I'm. You're saying. right. Yeah. <laughs> But they would just say it shows up as cancer, and you have cancer, and so that you know. I mean, so I, things kill you eventually. Back there's probably into that some category. truth to it, but I don't know. I mean, I really it, don't know. I mean, it I, doesn't. I, it doesn't matter for Toby. He's never leaving the Embassy Suites. He lives. No, there now. God, I know this is it. <laughs> I don't care how much radon is at Embassy. It could be, be the highest radon levels of all time. I'll be here every weekend if I could be. I'd live in this thing. Give my wife a job here. Anyway, all right, let's get out of here. Ha, 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 ha,